I ran Michigan. I don't even know what he's thinking. He's just a complete brickhead. Uh, Brady Kachunk. Thomas is my best friend. I got a lot of good looking dudes on my team. You just got nuked. I just them. I just them. We'll see. Hi everyone and welcome to episode Daniel Alfredson of Elite Sense Brain. As always, I am Viata and I am joined by Sense Twitter's favorite bagel influencer who has still for some reason not come to visit me in Montreal to try the bagels here. It's Twitter user at Erickson's Burner. Hi, oh my gosh. That is that is a hilarious call out to start. I will go. Guys, leave bagel rex in the in the replies of this one because i think okay viata wait sorry this is just a total tangent right off the start but like basically i know that i gotta try like saint viatel like in montreal that's the one but if there's any other bagel rex you want to leave me across canada or the world i don't like (laughs) new york bagels starting off like i think they're too bready so that's a controversial take right off the bat but anyway yeah how are you doing I'm doing great, and I will say this is a call out. You, I don't think you can call yourself a bagel influencer if you don't have a strong opinion about Saint Viator versus Fairmount bagels. So I'm okay. really looking forward to this journey for you. I hope you can up your bagel influencer game. I'm so sorry to the people who don't understand what we're talking about. We're still in bagel mode this summer. Yeah, guys, it's like bagel girl summer. Like. Everyone, go to your local bagel shop. Okay, recently I finally tried cream cheese with smoked salmon on a bagel. I know that, like, and then after I tried that, I was like, now I can call myself a bagel influencer. (laughs) Because, like, prior, like, I think that's, like, you need to try it. And it's so good. I love how this has, like, been a food for, like, so many years. And it's like, now I'm like, I give it my gold star recommendation. I mean, you're so the only I influencer I care about. I I don't yeah. believe that things are good until you tell me that they're good. Yeah. So guys, bagels, they're good. <laughs> bagels are Jolly Girl core. Having a bagel girl yeah. summer, also having a Jolly Girl summer. I would say personally, even putting aside the bagel thing, I'm having a Jolly Girl summer. And I hope everyone listening to this is also having a Jolly Girl summer. Yeah, we wish you all a Jolly Girl Summer. Oh my god, the this is a dumb joke, but the Venn diagram of Jolly Girl Summer and Bagel Girl Summer in the middle is Poppy. Because like Poppy, because I think Poppy likes bagels, but also Poppy eats bagels. You just think so. <laughs> you just think so. You're assuming this. No, because Poppy seed bagel and Poppy is oh, Jolly Girl Okay, okay, I get it now. Poppy, please leave your thoughts in on Twitter.com. Um, let us know if this is accurate. <laughs> anyway, this anyway, is all you the know, most important news. You know who else is having a Jolly Girl Summer? The Melnick Sisters. Yeah, they are having the richest girl summer. They just made like a billion dollars, $950 million. Um, the Ottawa Senators have finally been sold to no one famous, to like no celebrity. This is actually devastating to me. Um, as many people know, I was Team Snoop Dogg from the start. I have I was Team Snoop Dogg until the end. I believed in this. And I am devastated that Snoop Dogg will not, in fact, own the Ottawa Senators. And for the record, guys, you know how so many people were saying that Snoop Dogg is a fake Sens fan and he's only pretending to be a Sens fan because he wants to buy the team and that Ryan Reynolds is a real Sens fan. 
Snoop Dogg, as of this morning, still follows Brady Kachuk and Claude Giroux on Instagram. And you know how many Ottawa Senators Ryan Reynolds followed when he was trying to buy the team? Zero. Absolutely none. So Ryan Reynolds was never really a Sens fan. And I fully believe that Snoop Dogg, like, I think he's like, oh man, like, it's sad I didn't get to buy the Sens. But now it's like, on the bright side, he's discovered a new favorite team. I firmly believe that he likes the Sens more than the Kings. I believe you will see him at the CTC many times the next season. I think he's just going to come and hang. I hope he still moves forward with the Death Row Records Ottawa Senators merch. I feel like that might be copyright infringement, but I still (laughs) think that he should try to find a way to do it. That would be great for him and for the Sens. I agree. But yeah, so Michael and Lauer won the Sens. It was a raffle, and he won. Um, (laughs) What do we know about him? He is from Toronto and a billionaire. He's also French-Canadian. Yeah, and because he was a Habs fan, and now no longer. And it's funny because a lot of Habs fans on Twitter were like, oh, like, congrats, like, you got a Habs fan as an owner. And it's like, yeah, he abandoned ship. Like, what? That's embarrassing for you. I would never buy the Habs because I'm a Sense fan and I have no money. But, like, if I, like, had money and then I wanted to buy a hockey team, I would just buy the hockey team that I like the most. So he just likes the Sense the most. It's obvious. Yeah, it's clear. And, you know, the best Sense fans are the people who used to cheer for the Habs and have seen the light and jumped ship, I think. It's true because they fulfill the, like, bilingual requirement thing. So it's fine. Like, everything... Ottawa Senators, I think, has to be English and French, and that's why we need to convert more Habs fans. Exactly. I also enjoyed how when there were rumors that um, Patrick Croix might become the coach of the Sens, a lot of people were saying, oh, he's a good fit. You know, he's bilingual. And I was like, wow, that's what people always say about the Habs. And now we're talking about this with the Sens. The Sens brand is being mm-hmm. bilingual. That's awesome. Yeah. French Canada's team. We've said it before. We'll say it again. But yeah, so they got sold. The Melnick sisters retained 10%. So, like, that's cool. I don't know what public opinion on them is now. Because, like, we're past the girl boss phase. I think because everyone got annoyed that they weren't selling fast enough. So, <laughs> I think, I don't know if they're still girl bosses. But I think they are. Me too, for sure. And I also enjoyed the uh, the full breakdown of how much money they're actually getting that people were posting online, where it was like, so more than half of this is going towards just paying off their dad's debt. Uh, and then they get to keep the rest of it. I never, interestingly mm-hmm. though, despite hockey Twitter being very, very into talking about taxes in Canada, I never heard anything about that. And I wonder if it's like, do they still live in Barbados? Because you know that Melnick lived there so that he could dodge taxes. So now I wonder, like, are there just no taxes yeah. on this? I, I don't know enough about taxes. I need to take tax law like next year or whatever. Um, so I can yeah. understand the Ottawa senators better. Clearly, obviously, from what I've heard, um, Sens podcasters need to know a lot about taxes. Like we, because that's a thing that that is talked about a lot on Sens podcasts. People... People demand knowledge from us, and that's what we're here to do. If you have any questions about your taxes, please send them in. We will answer all of them. I feel like we're really failing as a Sense podcast by not, with the fact that we've already done 10 episodes without once complaining about how high taxes are in Canada. Yeah, you know, exactly. Okay, 
lower taxes. <laughs> Whoever's listening. <laughs> also, yeah, this this is like not the same thing, but it's like, you know, those commercials, the Quest Trade ones that are like, you're still investing with mom and dad's guy. And it's like, you're still doing taxes with mom and dad's guy? Like, no, <laughs> ask us. <laughs> we'll do them. Um, a great time to mention that uh, after this episode, well, okay, in our next episode, we're going to try to do a mailbag segment. So if you have questions, um, yeah, only about taxes, us, only about your taxes, um, and about how taxes are too high in Canada and it is driving all these hockey players away. Yeah, that's really sad. We can. I don't know if you want to quickly segue away from because I don't know. The thing is, is we were like talking, and it's like. I was like, why does it feel like nothing happened, even though literally, like, the Sens got sold and also, like, spoilers, the Stanley Cup got awarded. And I was like, nothing happened, really. Like, <laughs> it's been a boring few weeks. So, I like, that's funny how quickly I want to segue away from ownership talk. But is there anything else to say? It's just like, yeah, he's some billionaire who I hope is normal, but he's a billionaire, so probably not. He seems to have a good track record with owning teams. As I've said on this podcast, I don't really want an owner who knows anything about hockey or has any interest in being involved with the hockey team, which is why, I mean, obviously Snoop Dogg knows a lot about hockey. He's a big hockey fan, but I was hoping for like a more just celebrity ownership, um, not like hockey dude ownership. However, Michael Andlauer seems to have a good track record with all of this. Oh, also, okay, here's a thing to talk about. Apparently... He is, like, the one guy who wasn't in it for, like, the real estate. He was in it for the actual hockey team. And so it's kind of unclear if the LeBreton thing is happening. Like, it's sort of, like, it's probably happening, but he hasn't really been involved with that. Anyways, Bruce Garriock recently tweeted out that he is meeting with, quote, Alfie and the mayor, presumably about this, which I find funny. It's like when you make a big purchase in Ottawa, when you when you come to Ottawa, you have to meet with two people you got to consult with two people it's daniel alfredson and the mayor those are yeah those are the two like most important like positions in the city of ottawa it's like it's the mayor who's elected by the people and it's alfie who was like chosen by the people <laughs> so um like, those are the most important things i don't know it's like whenever anything needs to be signed off on like in the city of ottawa it's like you need those two signatures <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, like, how involved, how, how well Alfie actually knows the mayor. What is he? I, I don't want to know a hockey player's political opinions necessarily, but I'm just so curious about, like, Alfie's role in the city. I love that he's, like, Ottawa's dad, you know? Yeah. I believe that Alfie voted for Catherine McKinney. Same. Do you think he wants to lower taxes? <laughs> I believe anything about Alfie that I want. So, but he's I Swedish. know He's Swedish. This he's pro so high taxes. Off topic. But I was like, I, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I know he was like buds with Jim Watson, though, where I was like, but maybe just because he was the mayor, like maybe whoever's the mayor, Alfie is like, I have to make it my business to like be their bud. Yeah, I don't want to cancel Alfie. So I'm just going to assume that. Um, anyways, continuing with the municipal politics talk, uh, which is, of course, what you all signed up for on this podcast. Um, I do hope that the LeBreton thing happens very quickly and also that we can stop having LeBreton discourse because people are unhinged about that online. Like, I think I, I sincerely believe that a lot of people who post takes on LeBreton flats and generally the city of Ottawa have never visited another city in their lives or been to a hockey game in any other city because the takes <laughs> I hear about how a downtown arena would be bad actually are insane. They are unhinged. It's so funny because it's like, 
guys, have you been to like, like the city of Toronto? Like they got one right there. <laughs> like you get off the train and like there are signs pointing to the arena, you know? That's very, very funny. Yeah, it, it is funny that like it seems that people from Ottawa like refuse to learn about any other place sometimes. It's like they're like, this could never work. And it's like, why? And it's like, well, we it it has to be in Canada. And it's like not every city has like just like weird farmland that is technically still a part of the city. It's like it's not a realistic outcome for every city in the world. So it's funny that they're like, this is how it's gotta work. There's got to be like a weird suburban offshoot place where we keep the arena and it must take an hour to get there no matter where you live. There must be zero places to go out near the arena. You can only eat or drink inside the arena and as soon as you leave it's just <laughs> farmlands. It's literally like it feels like Disneyland in the worst way where it's like you like you know how like Disneyland and like movie theaters it's like they know you have like no other options so it's like they they, they have you now like it's a monopoly on like this specific farmland so it's like it's just like it's so funny because like yeah other places it's like you maybe you finish the hockey game like that you were watching and then you go like hmm should we like go get food or something it's like the if you go to a sense game it's literally like it's go time. Like, we gotta go. We gotta, like, beat the traffic. But, like, in in such a specific way where it's, like, we will be, if you would drive to a Sens game and then drive away, it's, like, it depends on how popular the Sens are at that given time. But it's, like, if the Sens are on, like, a winning streak or something, it will take you, like, three hours to get home. It's insane. So, yeah. Sorry. That's, like, a, I don't know why we started talking about that. But, guys, the CTC has got to stop. We, we deserve better. But of course, everyone knows that the ideal downtown of any city is just a giant parking lot so that everybody can drive there and go to exactly the place they want to go and do nothing else. Everyone knows that no city, like public transit just doesn't work in any city. There's, and it could never work in Ottawa. Everybody prefers to just drive. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, we're posting, we're, um, we're saying all our municipal politics takes. Uh, let us know if you disagree and would like to argue about municipal politics with us in our mailbag episode. Yeah, okay, our mailbag episode is now talk to us about taxes and also like just any municipal grievances you have they don't even have to be like hockey arena related it's like if you need a green bin or something hit us up um, <laughs> um anyways this is a weird episode but as we alluded to we were gonna make a segue of like american players don't want to stay in canada because of the higher taxes and the rumors that Alex Dabrinkit might not want to spend the rest of his career in the city of Ottawa, Ontario. I, the thing of, like, until he actually gets traded and it actually happens, I'm just assuming that everyone's a liar. I'm like, no, he loves Ottawa. Like, you're all stupid liars. Honestly, me too. Like, it's only recently that I've started to actually believe that he wants to leave because this whole time I have, I have continued to believe that he is going to sign a long-term contract. So I really hope he does that. There are some conflicting reports. Some people say that he wants to stay in Ottawa, but he just wants to find out about the ownership situation. Others are saying that he just doesn't want to spend the rest eight years of his life in Canada, which is so lame of him. And of course, of course, as I have learned from every former Ottawa senator who has a podcast, uh, which is more than one, but not a lot, 
Uh, still, I am assuming that they are a representative sample of hockey players. What I've learned from them is that nobody ever wants to play in Canada because the taxes are so high. Sorry, I'm still on this. I don't know what's gotten into me today. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. I Okay, people were saying, like, if it's the fact that like he has a baby and like he wants to be in America close to family and stuff, my thing is it's like, this is your family now. Like, is Thomas Shabbat not enough for you? You need your actual like blood relatives? That's, hmm. Okay. <laughs> it's so sad that this TU has spent a year meowing, hugging him, hyping up his baby on Instagram, like just doing everything they can to make him feel loved and welcomed and appreciated. And he just doesn't want to stay here. That's so sad. I I can't believe that, you know, like there's no way that's real. Yeah, I don't know. And then also, I don't even want to think about it because, oh, all all year, people were like, we got to trade to Brinke. And now they win, maybe. I still am holding out hope, but it's like, if those people win, I'm going to be very upset. Because I was like being a hater so much. I was like, you're so stupid. Like, no, we're never trading to Brinke. It's like, oh boy, I may have been wrong for the first time ever. But you will be right when they trade him and then immediately regret it. Because if this decision is up to the Sens and not about whether to wants to stay... I still believe that the right decision is to keep him. That's the best thing for the team. And I think when people say the Sens can't afford to bring it, what they really mean, and I said this on Twitter, but I'm so smart on Twitter, I have to repeat all the things I say (laughs) on this podcast because you need to hear this. When people say the Sens can't afford to bring it, they don't mean that the Sens don't have the cap space for to bring it right now. What they mean is we can't afford to bring it and, you know, a massive contract for Shane Pinto because he's the best player ever and we need to give him a ton of money. Or they don't there they mean like, well, if we sign to bring it, we won't be able to trade for like Connor Hellbuck or like some amazing goaltender because the Sens need to upgrade on goaltending or sometimes they'll say if we pay Alex to it we can't afford to pay Jake Sanderson next summer when the cap is supposed to go up so what I'm saying is the Sens lose nothing from giving Alex to a long-term contract and if they need to clear up salary to make room for someone else after that that is a whole discussion that we can do and like it's true that if you think that a goaltender should be like a bigger priority than keeping Alex to which is fair. I think that's like a decent take. Like, that's fair. But they can do that while giving him a long-term contract extension that would improve his trade value. And also, yeah, I just think it's dumb to say that we can't pay our players now because we're going to need to pay other players in the future. That's a future problem. And there is nothing wrong with paying players market value and just having them on long-term contracts. You can trade them after doing that. Also, like, okay... Please correct me if I'm wrong and, like, this is a dumb take because it's, like, I'm so – I don't – sometimes I'm very bad at knowing contracts and trades and stuff. But it's, like, he also doesn't necessarily – because it's, like, the report was, like, he doesn't want to spend eight years in Canada. That's Mm -hmm. fair. What if it was just, like, a shorter contract? Like, does it have to be eight years? Like, I obviously, you always want to do, like, long-term because, like, the idea is, like, the cap will go up and then, like, you'll have massive savings, whatever. But it's, like, the Ottawa Senators are, like, low-key, like, trying to be good. So it's, like, maybe – now is like it's more of a risk probably to like do a shorter term contract but it's like that's still like probably if it's not a huge contract like that will be movable if then he's like oh actually like 
in like his last year or something, it's like he really doesn't want to resign or something, then you can trade him. But it's like he will be useful for a couple years. Like you don't have to have him for eight years. Yeah. And I feel like there was a Melnick era like narrative that every single player had to be on a long long-term contract or they were going to leave immediately right we saw that with the like trade the contract negotiations with Brady Kachuk out of his entry-level contract where it was like if you give him two or three years like he's basically gone you have to give him eight years and it was just it was a thing with so many players that the team just did not want to give them short-term contracts it had to be a like you know, really long-term contract so that it ends up being really good value towards the end. And I just think that is an idea that we don't need anymore. We can let that go. The team is trying to win now. Give him two or three years and like literally he will have better trade value after you sign him to that contract because players on expiring deals do not have as much trade value unless it's like a massive overpayment but I think he's worth what he's asking for like I don't know I think last I don't think last season was a good representative of the type of player he is you know yeah the other thing that I saw was like people were like he hates the coach and then other people were like he loves the coach if he hates DJ Smith I respect him tenfold. Like, yeah, I firmly believe that DJ Smith is a very big part of the problem. Although it's weird because from what I've heard about DJ Smith, the players all love him. He's just like kind of kind of bad at coaching. So that's a bit of an awkward thing, I think. Just like it's like yeah. the, the reverse Daryl Sutter, you know, the I thing with Daryl Sutter was like the team was good, but everybody fucking hated him. And you gotta balance that, you know? Yeah. My theory is that probably everyone has this theory. DJ Smith seems like the dad who is like trying to be your friend. So he's a bad parent because it's like you have to parent your children. Like you can't just be friends with them. It's like you can't you have to like coach the team. You can't just be like like whatever. Oh, what does he say all the time? <laughs> I can't remember anything about DJ Smith. I blocked it out of my memory. But it's like he's like too much trying to be one of the boys. And it's like you're not one of the boys. I, I don't know like if that's, that's a good take. mean to him, but yeah. Like, it's like, I don't know. I really think that DJ Smith has to be fired because I don't like, okay, do you remember like last season when Claude Giroux and Alex Dabrinka just like talked to him for like 30 minutes and then randomly the team like started winning some more? It's like, how are you being outcoached by your players? Like, oh my God. But like, Okay, I've I've always been a DJ Smith defender. I don't think he's a great coach, but it is cool that he <laughs> listens to his players, that he allows his players yeah. to coach. I will say that. He could be worse. That, that is cool. It's like, that's nice. He's a cool dad, but it's like, he needs to be a better like you know what I mean it's like that thing where it's like you are not actually doing your role and it's like you're being awesome and cool but it's like in the wrong ways and I think you've said this take before and I really agree with it where it's like very few coaches like will yet let young players play and make mistakes in the way like DJ Smith does kind of like depending on the player like he obviously hates Eric Branstrom for being Swedish (laughs) but like like Tim Stutza like was allowed to do whatever he wanted for like two years and it was awesome like he didn't like like get benched or anything and I think a lot of coaches don't have that philosophy so it's nice that he will let young guys kind of like play and build their confidence but it's like I think the DJ Smith era has to be over soon I think so too I feel like maybe he'd be all right as an assistant coach or like if he hired assistant coaches who actually know 
systems and stuff and he <laughs> got to be just the dad uh motivating his team or whatever but yeah unfortunately i do feel like we need an upgrade yeah he can just like come to like team dinners and whatever like he can just like be invited he's their friend that's fine isn't that exactly what chris phillips does he's just the official team dad you know yeah perfect i will say i am less sad about the definitely a lot less sad about the rumors that dj smith might might be on the way out than i am about the rumors that pierre Dario might be on the way out with the new ownership no <laughs> i yeah i hope they keep him around in some capacity just not gm anymore because it's like i think he i don't know about him as gm anymore I feel like last summer he had his moment of like, is he actually secretly the best GM in the league? And then after a year, we're like, "Uh, no, (laughs) probably not. Because it's like everything. The one thing that it's like is still incredible is like the Claude Giroux thing. But it's like he had to do zero work for that. Like all he had to do was like be GM of a team in Ottawa or in Canada, but like whatever, like in Ottawa, Ontario. And Claude Giroux was like, I'm in. Excuse me. Are you already forgetting the fact that he met up with Claude Giroux in an Eastside (laughs) Mario's? Like not every GM would do that. (laughs) Wait, was it actually an Eastside Mario's? Did you That's not insane. listen to the finished edited version of our Senses Taylor Swift songs episode? Wait, I totally did, but I forgot the restaurant. <laughs> because I had to Somehow, the first this was the first how. time for those who listened, obviously you know this, but this was the first time that I ever, like while editing, had to like record a little thing and insert it into the episode to be like a little correction i just felt it was very important that we said in the episode that it was a boston pizza but it was actually an east side mario's wait that's so funny did i not oh my god i'm a fake fan guys you have to listen to the podcast i don't i lived it so i don't listen to it i guess (laughs) that's so funny i don't remember that that's so funny that's an east side mario's because those guys have so much money he could have brought him somewhere really really nice that's just the ottawa senator's vibe so again, yeah, maybe it was just the fact that it was the Sens and the city of Ottawa that appealed to, to Claude. But like, how many GMs understand the vibes of Ottawa the way that Dorian does, right? Like, what other GM would think, would have the, the, the like, knowledge of the city of Ottawa and the team, the Ottawa Senators, to be like, you know where I'm going to take this player. I'm going to take him out to Eastside Mario's. That's actually so funny because like the thing about Eastside, wait, where is, also is it Mario's or whatever, where, like what are the locations? I'm looking it up now because like it's from Mississauga. Hold on. Because it's like if you don't know the Eastside Mario's vibe, it's that when you or your sibling has a hockey tournament, you all go to Eastside Mario's after. Like that is the vibe of like Everyone needs to eat dinner, and they all go there. So, like, it's perfect for this. Like, I'm sure Clojure was like, I don't know when the first one opened, but I'm sure Clojure was like, this is, like, my childhood. Like, I remember. Exactly. Like, well, it's perfect. My main memory of that restaurant is that as a kid, they would always give you a toy with your meal if you had, like, a kid's meal. And also, <laughs> the options on the kid's menu were so much better than most restaurants, because you know how most restaurants you go, and the kid's menu is just, like you know, mac and cheese or like 
chicken fingers or whatever and there there's just like only a few things that they think kids will like but you go to Eastside Mario's and they actually have kids versions of all the food that's actually on the menu so that's genius I feel like a lot oh of people God. have a lot of childhood nostalgia shout out Eastside Mario's or Mario's however I'm so sorry for pronouncing your I don't name know. Mr. Mario but um yeah shout out them I love the logo it's just a huge tomato <laughs> Okay, yeah. What were we talking? Okay, yeah. So that's how Pierre Dorian charmed Claude Giroux enough to come to Ottawa. It was just that. He was on the fence, but then he did that. That's a big one he did. People are retroactively saying that the Alex Brinkett trade is bad now. I disagree. And I urge you all to remember what it was like the day that that news dropped. Because, like, no one could tell us anything. We were so, like, collectively... Everyone was so happy because then I also remember it was like it was like the day of the draft, right? So we'd be like, oh, what the heck? Like, what are we going to pick? And then like when the Sens, like when seventh overall went, because that was a Sens pick, the Sens were just like, the Sens just like dropped an Alex Dabrinka video instead. They were like, we don't care. We don't care about this 18 year old kid or whatever. Like watch Alex Dabrinka play hockey. And the vibes were so excellent. So it wasn't a bad trade. Like Pierre Dorian actually like, that was good on his part, in my opinion. And, like, I, I am still saying the same thing that I said when that trade happened. So many people who didn't understand the Ottawa Senators were saying, uh, but the Sens actually need defense. They don't need they don't need more forwards. What they really need is defense. But the whole thing is that the Sens had internal solutions on defense. Like, not guaranteed, like, sure things, but they had players that might turn into really good defensemen. All of their top prospects were defensemen, but they did not have any like prospects that projected as top six forwards because of course they've spent years being like we need to shore up our top our bottom six with players who are definitely going to turn into NHLers who have you know low ceilings but high floors or whatever that was a dumb drafting decision on their own part it's a problem they created but it was still a problem they didn't have any players that projected as top six forwards and so they needed to make a trade for that because they were never going to have an internal solution and that's still true if you trade Alex Dabrinkit you don't have an obvious internal solution to that you don't have any players that project as top six forwards so suddenly you're going to find yourself needing a top six forward especially if there's another injury or something happens to one of the current players and they're not as effective anymore, you know? Yeah. Also, like, the thing is still very true where it's, like, if you are trading now Alex Dabrinkit, like, you are immediately just finding, like, trying to find a replacement for Alex Dabrinkit. It's, like, I guess that, like, I get that if he wants out, it's, like, there's no other really option because it's, like, if he really is just gonna, like, like, doesn't want to stay, then that's, like, fine. Then, like, sure, that you kind of have to but it like yeah like you were saying if the sense have any like decision in whether he stays a little bit longer or not it's like just sign him to a shorter contract and then like I don't know best case scenario is he like plays in Ottawa for a couple more years and is like yeah this rocks I love it I'm gonna sign a longer term contract worst case scenario is that you trade him but it's a better trade because there's more team control so like you get better stuff and like hopefully like he has a better like a comeback year or whatever and then you get more for him because like he like you are selling so so low if you are trading him now because he like is coming off one of the worst seasons of his career essentially um and he has like no like team control so yeah but I don't know Bruce Garriak said he's getting traded at 
the draft so we will see yeah i feel like there's a way to salvage it and you know get good assets for him but i still feel like it's a bad decision and they should avoid it what's funny is that it's a sign of how much things have changed that these days i honestly believe that every player will learn to love Ottawa and the Ottawa Senators eventually if they just stay long enough. (laughs) And every time a player doesn't want to live here, I'm genuinely offended and shocked. I'm like, but but if you just hang out with the players for a bit, if you go sing karaoke with Brady Kachuk, which obviously you can't do if you have a baby, so maybe that's the problem. Um, But like, I just feel like (laughs) if you spend time here and you hang out with the players, eventually you will love these players so much that you won't be able to leave. Yeah. Um, that's funny that, like, he can't go to karaoke because of his baby. Alex Dabrinka, your baby is the problem. Maybe if he didn't have a kid, he'd like Ottawa more. Um, the other thing... Okay, this is a theory that I have that probably a lot of people agree. <laughs> like, immediately, you guys should all agree with me. I think that the lack of Chipotle available throughout Ottawa is actually a massive problem because it's been voiced by Debrinket, Pinto, and Sanderson. They're like, yeah, there's only one Chipotle and like it doesn't like deliver like because they're just outside the delivery room. It it's delivers at Rito's to house, but nobody else's. Yeah. Okay, so if you don't know, there's one Chipotle in Ottawa. It opened in Rito Center in like 2016, is it 2017 or 2018? And when it opened, everyone went crazy. Everyone was like, oh my God, a Chipotle. And then everyone lined up and it was like insane. And it's only available like at Rito Center. And all these people don't live near there because the arena is in Canada. So like they can't like live downtown really because it's like, that's too far. So none of them get Chipotle. And also... Okay, Chipotle needs to open more restaurants in Canada because also I remember that like Nick Suzuki won like a Chipotle gift card at the All-Star game and he was like, there is none in Montreal. (laughs) So like, okay. Exactly. I think this is a big problem. I also wonder if, see, maybe the problem is that Alex Dabrinkit is so attached to the current players that he just knows that if he stays for a few more years, like he'll never be able to leave. You know, he's like, I need to, I need to cut ties now because they're so great. I need to, I need to leave before I get too attached because I know I don't want to spend the rest of my life here. But if, if I stay another year, I will, like, maybe he knows this. He knows that if he stays another year, he won't be able to leave. It'll hurt too much. I believe it. And to that, I would say, Alex Dabrinkit, since you're listening just like follow your heart like you know that you want to stay everyone wants you to stay we could like put up sets to make Ottawa look more like Michigan like if you want like we can do whatever you want we can change the name of the city I will personally bring you Chipotle no matter (laughs) where you are any time of day it doesn't matter if I'm even in Ottawa or not I will get people to bring it to you that's so generous of you. Sense Twitter, we yeah. should all band together to make sure that any Sense player who's thinking of leaving, so Alex Dabrinkit basically, has Chipotle, has access to Chipotle at any time. Yeah, it's like that thing of like when people are like, hey, listen, like no matter where you are, like if you feel like you can't drive because like, you drank too much, like call me and I will come pick you up. It's like that, but specifically it's like I will bring you Chipotle no matter what time of day it is. Like, you know you can call me, okay? Like, please don't feel ashamed or embarrassed. Like, any time of day, I will be there for you. I wonder if 
maybe the problem is that everyone is coming on too strong because that's my other theory i feel like maybe the meowing and the like desperation from all of ottawa is like a bit of a turnoff for him because we, we come on a little guys guys we come on a little bit strong sometimes it's i think it's just because we've had so many players leave that we're like yeah. desperate for people to stay but it's actually so funny like the entire ryan reynolds a whole thing like as soon as he dropped out people were like tweeting at him so much it's like you know that it's like act like you've been here before it's like quite literally none of us have ever been here and you can tell it's like oh my god it's just the most funny thing ever and I am like I have Ottawa disease because I think it's charming like when people do that I'm like that's cute and charming like when they're like please please stay please 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 buy my hockey team I'm like aw <laughs> doesn't everyone find it so charming I thought for the Ryan Reynolds thing, it was charming until he definitely dropped out. And then every time there was news about the Nico Sparks bid being kind of messy and people didn't like news about it, people would just spam it with, at Ryan Reynolds, come back. That was pathetic. That was, no, please, guys. Oh, yeah, that was cringe. Yeah, even like the most diseased Ottawa brain can acknowledge that that was weird. So, guys back off a little bit i mean i still think that the chipotle thing is a good idea i i think we can do that we should use this energy for something that will actually improve alex to life and not just annoy him because i think i wonder if maybe the meowing was annoying him a little bit <laughs> the thing that is like okay that's not even on us though that's on like josh norris it's like <laughs> and he's like from michigan and stuff too so it's like he should have been the one to like be like, hey man, like Ottawa rocks, like blah blah blah. Like this is why you should stay here. And instead, he just meowed in his face multiple times. I love that you're like, blaming. Okay. I love that you're blaming Josh Norris for this when Josh Norris only meowed on camera like once. It was Travis Hamanuk that was meowing at him in or okay. meowing in the background of every video. <laughs> it's like the thing where because I have such a parasocial relationship with Josh Norris, I think that I'm allowed to like be mad at him because <laughs> I'm like we're friends. He knows I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, okay, but also you mentioned the Michigan thing. There are rumors that the Red Wings would be interested, and that is my worst nightmare. Like, that keeps me up at night now. I, I need Alex Dabrinkit to stay just so that we can avoid the possibility of him going to Detroit. Because as yeah. avid listeners of the podcast know, I am a big Detroit Red Wings hater. Yeah, and you should be too. <laughs> Everyone Everybody should, should be, be a yeah. Detroit Red Wings hater. Yeah, that would actually be awful. Because it's like, but also, who was it? Was it you who said it? I don't know who said this on Twitter, but someone was like, maybe that's like, Alex Dabrinka going to Detroit is like the like cosmic, like, it, like what has to happen because we got Kojiru. Like, it has to be like that. I didn't um, say that. Okay, someone said it on Twitter. I'm so sorry I don't remember. But like, if you're listening, you're a genius. I was like, that might actually be it. Because of like, oh, maybe we should have been less annoying to like Flyers fans about Claude Giroux and then Alex Zabrinka would have stayed. I have also already seen takes that are like, Steve Eiserman is a genius. He was playing the long game this whole time. And I will be so pissed <laughs> if people start saying that for real. Because, guys, Steve Eiserman was not playing the long game. There is no way that Alex Dabrinkit was on the market and Eiserman was like, so here's the plan. We need Alex Dabrinkit, but we don't need him now. We need him a year from now. So we're going to let Ottawa spend all these assets. And then we just know that he's not going to want to sign there. Like, guys, guys, no, 
this was not <laughs> some kind of like master plan by Steve Eiserman. Please stop. You guys are so weird about Steve Eiserman. It's like legit, like it gives like Elon Musk like fans <laughs> a little bit the way like they're like a masterful gambit like whatever it's so annoying like and I get he's like a good GM and stuff but it's like you need to stop he can't see the future but also for like the two months or whatever where Pierre Dorian could do no wrong I like became <laughs> like <laughs> like that like for Pierre Dorian of all people I was like oh my god, like, what is he planning? Like, he has, like, all these tricks up his sleeve. Like, he's a genius. Um, And it was a nice feeling to be like, my GM is a genius and yours is stupid. And it quickly dissipated. So also, I'm happy for you guys, at least. But also, you did that after your GM, like, traded for Alex Dabrinka and didn't even give up that much and also signed Claude Jihou and did all these cool moves. Whereas people do that to Steve Eiserman over, like, the Ben Sherratt signing. So I yeah. feel like there's a difference. <laughs> or like he'll like get like a third round pick and they're like, oh my god, like what will that become? Like <laughs> it's so annoying. What I do believe, however, is I genuinely believe that Kyle Dubas is playing the long game. And he here's a nice little nice little segment. Kyle Dubas is playing the long game and he was purposely ruining the Leafs for years and now he's gone to purposely ruin the penguins for a little bit make sure that they waste the last few years of Crosby and Malkin and then he will eventually come back to the Ottawa Senators yeah I firmly believe that especially because like um oh yeah talking a bit about more about like how Alfie like hopefully will be involved in front office I think Kyle Dubas won't be able to stay away like that he is gonna be like holy shit I because Kyle Dubas I think like loves Daniel Alfredson because I've Checked his Twitter like quite a few times. And during like the Alfie to the Hall stuff, he was liking all of it. And I was like, there you go. Like he is an Alfie fan. And we've already seen what a big Jason Spezza fan he is. I mean, he's just like me. He also loves Jason Spezza. And he is basically dragging Jason Spezza around with him because he just needs, he just admires him so much that he like, he needs to have him around. So I think his eventual plan is to reunite the pizza line in the Sens front office. He's going to bring in Danny Heatley as well. That's the long game. (laughs) Exactly. Oh yeah, that's funny. I guess this happened since we last recorded is uh, Jason Spezza became assistant GM but he reports to Kyle Dubas who is not the GM Kyle Dubas is the president of hockey operations so that's really funny and then also yeah so my thing was I saw that and I was like okay so Jason Spetson never actually liked the Leafs like he just right? liked Kyle Dubas which is hilarious <laughs> Jason Spezza loves Sens fans I've said this for so long that article I wrote Jason Spezza he is for the fans and you know what? It sucks that being for the fans brought him to Toronto for a little while and is now bringing him to Pittsburgh. It sucks that he is blatantly favoring one fan over all these others, but truly, he just loves Sens fans so much. Yeah, like, there's just something that he recognizes in Kyle Dubas that feels so familiar, and it's his Sens fandom, so. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hold on, let me try to figure out how to do Okay, there's no good way to talk, like, to segue into this, but I, as we alluded to, some stuff happened in the last two weeks. One of those things is that the Stanley Cup was awarded. Um, 
not to the Ottawa Senators, which was odd, but whatever. And the like annual tradition of everyone was broken the whole time they were playing hockey <laughs> came out. It's horrifying watching that injury list. Every single year, I I am genuinely worried for these players. Yeah, the reason I wanted to bring this one up specifically is because like the what did Brady Kachuk do this time segment was help his brother with a broken sternum get out of bed and get dressed because Matthew Kachuk was playing with a broken sternum, which is so bad. And like he what? Like how do you play a hockey game with that? But whatever. So he played game four with that and Brady Kachuk had to like help him do like he like had Brady Kachuk and his teammates like helping him literally get dressed and stuff like that it's like this is horrifying okay and then he sat out game five and then that's the one the panthers lost um to lose in the uh finals but like thank god matthew kachuk isn't like is like oh hopefully gonna be okay and stuff but like oh my god that could have been very very bad yeah and it's just like yeah that could have been terrible he was not effective in game four. I didn't watch game four, but I'm going off of what other people are saying, right? Like, he's not that effective at that point. Like, you're just being selfish by insisting on playing. And I'm sure it's, like, inspiring to the other players that they're going, oh, wow, this guy is battling so hard. Like, we should try. But, like, at some point, you need to take care of yourself. And, you know, we saw, for example, in 2017 in Ottawa, like, it was amazing watching Carlson play through all these injuries but we saw what that did to him afterwards, right? Like what playing through all those injuries throughout his entire career, especially in that playoff run, did to him long term, which is like he just was never the same player after that. And that sucks, right? And yeah. we just worry for the long term health of these players. Yeah, it's also sad because then a lot of times when like guys retire due to injury, I think we saw this with like Shea Weber or something. It's like, it's a question of like, can you like play? like play with your children and do like can you like go do stuff like that it's just like day-to-day life where it's like you might not be able to do that because of like like how like obviously like getting injured but also then just like playing through injury and it's like that is so horrifying to be like oh like I needed to win this game so now I can't like pick up my children or whatever for a little it's like that is so horrifying and I don't know where any doctor is like I because like there's quote unquote team doctors, but where are they? Because what the hell is going on? And I understand the perspective that, oh, it's the player's choice. They chose to do that. But I do think that it's important to consider like what kind of environment this this culture is creating. Like when you are in an environment where everybody is playing through injuries all the time and you are watching your teammates play through that and that is celebrated so much and admired so much you probably don't feel like you can actually take time off for injuries you know like think of the kind of pressure that puts on players that they're watching this happen and then you know yeah say that you get like a broken bone or something and you're going man I could technically push through this but what's going to happen to me long term knowing like having all of those ideas about the value of playing through injuries is probably going to make you feel guilty for taking time off or something like that. And I just don't think that that's a good culture for hockey to be encouraging. And yeah, I think players should think about how selfish it is and what they are potentially doing to younger players on the team, to their teammates, when they're encouraging that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. 
I agree. And it's also, like, known, like, there was a report on this, like, a little while ago, where it's, like, it is known that, like, team doctors will, like, sometimes, like, they're, like, the way that, like, painkillers are prescribed, it's, like, not necessarily, like, how they should be. I'm, like, I don't know if I could, like, say this and get sued or whatever. So I'm not going to say it in specifics, but it's, like, look it up. But, um, like, so it's, like, just the culture around it is very horrifying to me because it's, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, like such a team mentality or whatever that it's like you are no longer prioritizing like your health and it's like at the very least just like yeah think about how that actually does not help your team very much like I promise that like whoever comes in to replace Matthew Kachuk it like will be better because if it's Matthew Kachuk with a broken freaking sternum I don't think he's gonna be that good at hockey no offense yeah it just sucks but on the slightly more positive sides it wasn't really that positive i hate watching teams that are not the ottawa senators lift the stanley cup but i won't lie watching mark stone lift the stanley cup i experienced the full range of human emotion (laughs) yeah it was like basically the Suns did win the cup a little bit because mark stone won the cup (laughs) Like, that's as close as we've gotten, I think. Yeah, I can't think of another former senator that, like, that had a moment like this with another team. Like, obviously, Marion Hossa won the cup, but that was a little bit different. I, I feel like Mark Stone is the the most, like, emotional I've been, especially because he was the captain, right? I ended up watching, that was the only game of the finals that I watched, and it was just because I was you know, thinking for a while, like, man, how many times during that 2017 run and like the 2015 hamburger run and stuff, how many times did I picture Mark Stone specifically lifting the cup? Because he's such an exuberant guy. And I remember just thinking like, oh, I I need to watch him win the cup. Like he's going to be so excited about everything. And so I kind of felt like, oh, after all those years, like I I need to actually watch this. And yeah, I was like fully sobbing at points. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Alone in my apartment, just like, oh my God, Mark Stone. Um, So that was really cool. Yeah, that it was a very cool moment. Um, I'm excited for Brady Kachuk's wedding. I wonder what will happen now that we finally know the outcome. Mark Stone won the cup and probably is going to be Brady Kachuk's best man because of it. <laughs> yeah, last minute switch. He's like, I can't have a best man yeah. who has a broken sternum, man. You can't do yeah. best man duties, whatever. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Chuck's like, yeah, like, sorry. Next time, think about that if you want to be my best man. Um, that's really funny. But yeah, I wonder what, like, because it's like, they're definitely just going to be normal at Brady Kachuk's wedding. But in my heart, are gonna like I don't know what would even happen I guess it's just like that's gonna be so awkward and uncomfortable for them I feel like normal by like Kachuk and Mark Stone's standards is not really (laughs) normal by everyone else's standards but maybe they're gonna be more normal than they normally would you know yeah anyway I'm looking forward to that um yeah congrats again to Mark Stone it hurts bad (laughs) but congratulations it hurts but like maybe not necessarily in a bad way 100% like uh, there's some part of me that's like proud of him but also I'm sad I can't figure it out people were trying to figure out when I was having a meltdown on Twitter over this people were trying to figure out if I was happy about him winning the cup or sad about it and I still don't know Mm -hmm. yeah Mark Stone deserves it I'm happy for him but I am also sad yeah he's also probably the most fun guy to watch 
like win the cup ever just because like the way he emotes it's like he like he is fully communicating every emotion he's feeling and that's very nice like yeah and it was also cool that he got a hat trick too like that was uh that that hurt but in a good way yeah oh yeah insane game it was like what nine three or something it was pretty fun and it was like we had a lot of time to come to terms with the fact that mark stone was winning the cup you know it wasn't a a sudden thing it wasn't like an overtime game it was like oh man this is gonna happen like it's just gotta wait for the clock to tick down basically Mm -hmm. yeah oh it's also funny because people are like this is the most boring stanley cup final in recent memory it's like to be so fair i didn't watch but that's because (laughs) i was like i only like like I only like the Suns, and then I only like rooting for the Leafs to lose. So then, as soon as both of those things happened, I was like, or I guess the Suns thing, they just kind of like lost, and it was sad. But like, so as soon as both those things had run their course, I was like, okay, there's nothing for me here anymore. And I will say on the the topic of Mark Stone being very exuberant and you know celebrating a lot, what I did find funny is that when like they interviewed him right after winning the cup and we're just like how are you feeling and he goes i'm actually really calm right now he actually looked like the most calm i have ever seen mark stone (laughs) on the ice um which made so much sense because it was like at a certain point i think you just reach a level of happiness and just exuberance where it's just like now i've circled back around to just being like completely calm (laughs) that's so funny oh my god yeah it's just like you plateau and then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I got to chill out a bit, I guess. And then he was back to being all excited when he actually lifted the cup. It's yeah. pretty cool. I still think the best the best stone face of all time, because the hashtag is stone face, not hashtag expressive Mark Stone. That bugs me so much. Mm-hmm. But the best stone face of all time was still the face he made after scoring the overtime winner against Pittsburgh in the during the Hamburglar run, that call that was Mark Stone again, that remains the peak of his career. I don't care if he st- scored a, a hat trick to win the Stanley Cup. His greatest moment will always be Mark Stone again, and his best Stone face will always be that picture. If you know, you know the one I'm talking about. It was my laptop background for years. <laughs> oh my god, that's incredible. <laughs> So I think that was all we had to talk about for this episode. A little bit all over the place. Lots of things to mention. Um, As we teased at the beginning of this episode, we are going to try to do a mailbag episode soon. So if you have, basically, if you have any questions that you want us to answer, whether they are about taxes, (laughs) municipal politics, the Ottawa Senators, anything that you want to ask us, um, please feel free to ask those. You can either tweet us at Elite Sun's Brain or I am at CBIE. I am at Erickson's Burner. Or you can comment on this Silver 7 article that will go up. Or, fun new thing, we now have a Tumblr. And I have been having a lot of fun posting on our Tumblr. It is it is at Elite Sense Brain, so you can go to elitesensebrain.tumblr.com and we have an ask box. So even if you've never used Tumblr in your life, you have no idea how Tumblr works, if you click on the link that we're going to put in the description and we're going to tweet out to go to elitesensebrain.tumblr.com, there is a little button where you can send us an ask and it can be completely anonymous. You can ask us any question and yeah, any way you want to ask us questions, go do that and we will try to answer all of the questions on the podcast, only if they're good questions, of course. If they're bad questions, we will just ignore them. 
Um, don't, but don't worry, we won't mock you for giving us a bad question. Uh, we'll just ignore you. <laughs> Anyways, so follow us on Tumblr, follow us on Twitter, ask us any questions you want. Also, go to silver7cents.com because we have merch now. It's very cool. I can't wait for mine to arrive. And yeah, I think that's about it. Um, Yeah, the merch is awesome. Everyone check it out. I need to buy some still, but I need, I was like deliberating. Anyway, if you love online shopping, here's a new place to do it. <laughs> Great way to market it. Anyways, go since go. Bye. Go since go. Bye. Bye.